You have reached the New Teacher Hotline, presented by the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. If you need help with your lesson plans, please press one now. If you smiled before December, please press two now. If you'd like to hear our podcast, please press three now. Thanks for calling. The new teacher hotline starts now. Hello and welcome to episode three of the New Teacher Hotline. Three episodes yeah, we're in. We're experienced, like we know what we're doing. Right, and you should be able to tell a qualitative difference today <laughs> because I bought wind guards for our microphones. And we're trying harder. We're trying harder, right. This is no longer a gimme. We realize we have to do this now. So thanks for your feedback on the first two episodes. Yeah, we're try really to, um, took it to heart. And try to address everything. We came back anyway. <laughs> exactly. You're very mean is what we've learned. I guess we should start with introductions, just in case this is your first time. I apologize in advance. My name is Mike Kelly, the Director of Teacher Preparation for the American Board and author of Rookie Teaching for Dummies. And Dr. Moulton, I'll let you introduce yourself. My name is Glenn Moulton, and I'm writing the online teacher preparation course. Our RTE. Oh, that's right. RTE. Right. What's that? Resident? Teaching expert. Okay. Although we could come up with other things to stand for the same thing. Mm -hmm. Really... Tan. Oh, tan. Tan is good. Uh, Ready, tan, and E. (laughs) (laughs) Educated. Hey, perfect. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. That's better. (laughs) I guess we will go ahead with our warm-up question for the the week. All right. We promised some discussion about the topic of ringleaders. Right, yeah. Ringleaders being those guys at the circus or the kids in the back of the room who really egg everyone else into Mm -hmm. poor behavior. Okay, so what's the question? Ringleaders. How do you identify them? How do you influence them to stop being a bad influence? Right. You know, really, that's a good question. And it gets to the heart of what good classroom management's all about. Tell you what I found over the years is that if you looked at the types of discipline problems in the classroom, oftentimes you can boil it down to a couple, what I would call phenomena. And the ringleader is one of them. And ringleader is a person, usually one, it can be more than one, who initiates the action. In other words, this is the troublemaker, and once that person begins causing problems, then it spreads throughout the room. What do you do about it? Well, first of all, uh, hopefully you have a strong set of class rules in place and consequences. Please refer to previous podcasts. Yeah. We already talked about we that, did, didn't absolutely. we? Okay, right. that's right. Good strong rules, good fair enforcement. That's That's been a couple of weeks ago, so. Right. We'll Too long bring, to bring remember. Bring that back, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, you, you got to have rules in place and consequences, and then it's a matter of identifying who the ringleader is. Will he be wearing a large black shiny hat a la a circus ringleader? Well, sometimes, but usually not. Typically, they'll distinguish themselves by being the one that's the most aggressive in their troublemaking. So a hat of aggression. Uh, yeah, or a veil of non-secrecy. <laughs> <laughs> These are very good terms. <laughs> yes. and Patent pending. Uh, thank you. So it's a matter of observing the class and trying to identify who the ringleader or ringleaders are. And once you've done that, then it's simply a matter of dealing with that person as an individual. And some of the common tactics may still work, such as going near the person, being in close proximity, making strong eye contact, maybe even the evil 
eye. The evil eye being. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I used to do a lot of. But right. the evil eye is when you more or less stare at the child, unflinching and very determined. But anyway, once the ringleader is identified, then that person can be treated as an individual and the discipline sequence can begin. As the teacher progresses through the progressive discipline sequence, you get to a level where it starts having an impact. Now, in certain cases where the ringleader has extended themselves well beyond his or her ability to save face and still remain part of the class, Mm -hmm. the teacher may have to move them to the administrator's office. You have to determine how far the ringleader has gone. In other words, if he or she is over the edge and the only way to save the class is to move that child out of the room to an administrator's office, then that's what you've got to do. Now, is that a feeling that you get when it's time to move that person out, or is it is it something that is intuitive, or is there a definite set of boundaries to when well, too far is too far? Good question. Actually, it's both. If you've gone through your progressive discipline sequence and nothing has worked, then, okay, the next stop is the administrator's office. You know, the sequence needs to in- include things like discipline assignments, detention, call home, all those things before they go to the administrator. Otherwise, you know, the administrator may just send them back to class. You know, you need to handle this in your classroom. Now, there is a corollary to this. It's kind of like the uh, guy on the highway. Okay, so you got a ringleader. No idea where you're going. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So I don't either. So that's two of us. But anyway, we'll both be surprised. I'm sure that we've all noticed on a highway that there's always one guy in a car going fast, and there's three or four behind him trying to stay in the shade of the radar, thinking, well, if that first guy goes through the radar, the police will get him, and then cars number two through ten will go right on past. And I don't know, maybe that works. Same phenomena happens in a classroom. In other words, if the teacher doesn't control the ringleader, hmm, well, she's not going to handle that guy, or the teacher's not going to handle this person, so maybe I'll act up too. So you get a few others who get involved with it. If that part isn't handled, then you might get a few others, and before long, the classroom looks like a buffalo stampede, all because the ringleader wasn't identified and dealt with early on. Okay, so you have a lead car that's going fast that will cause a buffalo stampede. If the police don't pull over the lead car, then the the whole convoy is going to proceed and probably attract dangerous. more cars to it. And eventually so, Buffalo. Right, absolutely. Right. So in the classroom, if the teacher doesn't identify and address the actions of the ringleader, it'll get worse. Okay. That makes perfect sense to me because well, I have seen that. It did make sense to you. That's good. It okay. did. That's okay. good. So at least one person is on board. <laughs> I, I did witness this exact thing. I remember being in high school and in a chemistry class with a new teacher. And there was one guy who was always taunting this mm-hmm. new teacher. Always taunting and always taunting. And then all of a sudden it was his friend and, and he were doing the same thing. And then it was this other person beside them. And then it was the back row. And then mm-hmm. you know, if there's no then consequence, it was a knife fight. And yeah. That was ugly. If there's no consequence for bad behavior, then you get a lot of students who normally would be good students thinking, well, maybe I'll have some fun too. So they're not on their best behavior. They're on their better-than-that-guy behavior. Absolutely. As long as I'm not doing anything worse than the ringleader, then in a fair world, the teacher will pick on the ringleader first, and I'll just slide by. And if he or she doesn't pick on the ringleader Mm -hmm. and goes for some of the, say, lower-hanging fruit, then that just will empower the ringleader. Plus, the child that gets picked on would say, hey, you getting me for throwing paper, but... You know, this guy over here is doing something worse than that. Why didn't you say something to him? Right. So then you're in a, you know, a lawyer type debate with half your class and you don't want that either. So 
identify the ringleader, deal with that person as an individual. Now, there are cases where you may have more than one ringleader in a classroom, and you got to deal with all of them. And then now, would you suggest doing that all at one time, divide and conquer, or does that depend on the uh, specific circumstance? Well, it depends on if the ringleaders are a duet or they're doing solos. If they're doing solos, then pick them off one at a time. Right. But if they're feeding on each other, then, yeah, you may have to take them all out at the same time. Now, one thing, you were talking about a progressive discipline. I think I'm getting the phraseology wrong. Right. Progressive discipline. Well, sequence. Sequence. Yes, the PDS. Okay. Right. <laughs> we can add that. We're going to change everything into initials so that eventually this entire podcast will be Morse code. That's right. We will just you gotta, have to... you got to go back to the first one and pick up all the letters, right? Right. Or you're simply left out. The discipline sequence is a ladder of possible consequences that a teacher might use to help control the situation. In other words, the first one might simply be a mild warning, like, uh, hey, Glenn, please pay attention. Isn't that awkward when a teacher sees bad behavior and you can see them actively trying not to notice it? Well, it's it's very awkward, but it's also not good. The one thing I've learned about bad behavior with students is it gets worse if it's not contained. So the teacher has to become sensitive to what's going on in the classroom and deal with it. So, Okay, I'm sorry. I, I interrupted the sequence. We try to resolve issues at the lowest level. If simply looking at a student or walking near them or calling on them in class gets the appropriate behavior, then fine. Life is good. But if it doesn't, then you know the next step needs to be a little more confrontational, such as calling the student by name. Or if that doesn't work, then the next step might be, well, you know, I'm going to have to assign you a detention. And if that doesn't get the desired behavior, well, I may have to call home and give you a detention. So you keep moving up the consequences to a level where the student responds. So you're increasing the risk to them. You're making it more and more difficult or more and more unpleasant to continue. Unpleasant is the correct word, yes. And eventually uh, the idea is you get to a level where the student responds. It's no longer worth it to continue that type of behavior. I think that covers it. Identifying the ringleaders, moving with the appropriate sequence of, of actions, and then... Now, when you say picking them off, I guess that means eventually just getting them to comply with the uh, rules. Absolutely, absolutely. That's the way to handle it. Now, a lot of times, if uh, you're able to get one ringleader, then the other one will follow suit. It's kind of like the highway patrol. Right. You know, if you get the first one, the rest of them will back down as well. You've got mail. So now let's move on to our listener questions of an educational nature. Okay. Um, Here we go. Our question this week is from a college student. I'm a college student, an appropriate beginning, Mm -hmm. pursuing a teaching degree. I'm about to start student teaching and I'm very nervous. I don't feel like I have learned much about class control. And in a few months, I'll be in charge of my own classroom. One of my friends is a teacher and she keeps telling me don't smile until December. I think I understand what she's saying, but I need more advice than that. Thanks very much. So, college student, getting ready to teach, and feeling yeah. like she's not ready for discipline. Right. There's a, a number of ways to look at this. First of all, most teacher preparation programs do not prepare you well for classroom management. I mean, I know That's that when generic. I was going through the traditional program, and I had my own theory. Mm-hmm. Could I entertain you with my theory about, about why? Sure. And you can tell me if I'm off base or not. Um, but I think that discipline is hard to teach because it's something that is best taught in the classroom. I didn't learn it in student teaching because my cooperating teacher just left. As soon as I started student teaching, he decided it was time for him to lift weights in the gym. So I never really got a lot of feedback until the end when he said that I went too slow, which 
really is too late. But it's, it's something that you've really got to learn in the situation. And right now, you're in the classroom a lot, but you're not in the position of the disciplinarian. I almost missed that word. And it's something that depends on so many little circumstances, so many little things you've got to pick up on to make the right decision that it's really hard to give a one-size-fits-all. Is that right? Yes. Because there's got to be Next a reason question. that there's not a lot. <laughs> but, but that doesn't actually help this person, unfortunately, which is the history of my well, life, understanding <laughs> but not being able to help. Actually, you, you, uh, you presented it very well. There are some things that a candidate can do, whether they're heading for student teaching or into uh, service as a teacher, and that is uh, to reconnect with the age group that you're going to teach. Now, what can you do? In almost every community, the uh, Parks and Rec program was looking for coaches or volunteers or that sort of thing. Most churches or religious groups are looking for teachers serve as a Cub Scout, Girl Scout, Boy Scout leaders. So some type of involvement that gets the prospective teacher back in front of the kids so that yeah, they can learn, learn the lingo, find out what's in and what's out, and move around accordingly. It's a good way to get your feet wet before you get started. And you're right. Most teacher preparation programs have none of that involved. You're put into student teaching and, you know, sink or swim. If you get a good cooperating teacher, they'll give you some strategies and work with you ahead of time and then you can watch how they handle problems. Typically, by the time you get to their classroom, they've already established the ground rules, and you don't have too many students breaking them. But they will when, when you get ready to go, and it's good advice to be prepared. So you're saying with a long lead time, if you've got a lot of time before you're actually student teaching, then you should spend some of that time getting involved in a situation where you're in charge. Yeah. And get used to how that feels. Yes, if you can. Uh, gather as much background information as possible and use that to formulate how you're going to handle the class. Connect with the school administration as well as the cooperating teacher before you get there. Mm and find out what their rules are and how they would handle a particular situation so that you're not walking in unadvised. I would think, yeah, they have a stake in this, too, because you're Absolutely. not just teaching a theoretical group. You're teaching students at their school who are still expected to meet state standards and right. such. So they're probably going to work with you, I would imagine. Absolutely. And they want to work with you for, if nothing else, self-serving reasons. First of all, after your student teaching experience is over, you get a leave. And they're still there. So any problems that are created during that experience don't necessarily leave with the teacher. They're still going to be there. Right. So, yeah, they want to help, and it's in their best interest to do so, or they wouldn't have you there to begin with. She mentioned don't smile till December. And I that's, guess that's always one of the one of the, if I were to say, two things that are the best thing to remember about going into teaching. What would your top two things be, and would one of them be don't smile until December? Well, the, the don't smile until December is one that's <laughs> withstood the test of time, so I guess there's some credibility to it. <laughs> I heard it when I started teaching, you know, 125 years ago, <laughs> that I think the logic behind it is you want the students to see you as a teacher, not as a friend, but as a professional, not as your buddy, but someone who is directing you through this program. So there is a sense that, you know, I've got to maintain that professional distance and once i have the ground rules established with the students and i've laid a foundation for appropriate classroom behavior okay then i can start being more human and more myself it does not mean to be evil or mean or cruel or anything like that it just says okay we're not going to be cracking too many jokes until this thing is under control so you're establishing yourself as Absolutely. the ringleader 
Absolutely. So You're the ringleader. There's only one ringleader, and that's the teacher. Right. So you've got to crack the whip. Mm-hmm. Well, don't crack it, but they ought to know that you mean business and that you've done this before. Whether you have or haven't doesn't make any difference, but they need to see you as somebody who's done this before, knows what they're doing, is confident. Follow me. We're going to the right place. Some of the people I've seen really misinterpret this, especially in light of what you're saying, are people who are just nasty. They'll come in and they feel like they need to yell a lot. They need to be mean. They establish control by screaming and tromping around and trying to be bigger than they are. And I think that students are really good at picking out insincerity. And when they see someone who's acting like they're in control, but they're not, and they're trying to make a big show of everything, I just think that's even worse. Well, it doesn't really help the classroom environment. (laughs) I mean, you can... You can beat students into submission with your actions and your words and, you know, your intimidation. If that's what you want in a classroom, then my guess is you're going to have a great difficulty in trying to teach them later. Most students respond to a welcoming and caring environment. And if uh, they feel intimidated, if they feel belittled, if they're embarrassed, it's going to be tough pulling them out of that foxhole when the real instruction takes place. In a sense, it's counterproductive. Okay, I've got them to not talk, and now when I want them to talk, they won't. Right. Okay, now I've got a question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh Uh-oh. Let's say that you're a new teacher. You're starting. No one knows who you are. Brand new reputation. How long do you have to establish yourself as the leader of the classroom? The honeymoon is two weeks. Two weeks. So within two weeks, if you're having trouble, then you should expect things to get worse? You have up to two weeks. The first two minutes of class is going to determine if you have any more than that. The best way to start a class is, first of all, think it through. What is it you want to do on that first day? Probably the best thing you can do ahead of time is have those rules ready. Know what you want the students to do the minute they walk in the door, whether it's put them in an assigned seat or give them a textbook or hand them a set of rules. You know, It's up to you. But the worst thing you can do is not be planned and not know the students' names. And they don't know what they're doing, but they obviously know that you don't know what you're doing. So you've already started out the wrong way. They may give you a break and come back the second day and still allow more, but you've got a maximum of two weeks. Right. Students are very savvy. Even very young students, I noticed, are very savvy in figuring out who it is that they can take advantage of and who it is that they can't. One thing that I used to tell teachers that I spoke to, was that, you know, not all the students are going to like them. and They'll have to just accept that, that they can't be the popular teacher for everyone. And really, no one is everyone's favorite teacher. When they walked into college and they started the class, they knew within five minutes if they liked the professor mm-hmm. and if they were going to like the That's class. True. And And they forget that those t- students make the same snap judgments about them. And it's just kind of interesting to turn the light back on and say, all these things that I hated about teachers, people are going to think about me. <laughs> That's right. And sometimes they're going to be right. Mm-hmm. You know? And the first day is very important, very important. Demonstrate to the students that you are a professional. You know what you're doing. You're here to learn. Students are here to learn, and I'm here to teach. This is what we're going to do. Make some progress on the first day. Think they've had enough? I think, well, you know, I think uh, we've served up a delightful assortment of information. Okay. So for this episode, my name is Mike Kelly. I'm Glenn Moulton. I'll see you in the faculty lounge. Do you have a question that you would like us to answer on a future podcast? Our experts are standing by. Email us today at newteacherhotline at gmail.com. The New Teacher Hotline is presented every two weeks by the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. 
Look us up online at www.abcte.org. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the American Board for Certification of Teacher Excellence. In fact, ABCTE makes no claim that downloading this podcast will even be worth your time. But, you know, we, we hope it is. Our theme song is courtesy of Van Davis at www.vandavis.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.